You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 19, Election Day, Washington, May 16th, 1884. The wind door beckoned. Time flowed strangely. Harry, Penny and Truth were inside Steelbourne. Mr. Tesla was driving. Harry shifted inside her armor, trying not to move, conserving her strength. Every flex of her arms and legs, every turn of her hips, drained more energy. She sipped on the bright red drinks that Ganny had prepared for her, draining three of them in ten minutes. Every time she thought about what she had to do, it made Harry's heart leap and sink violently. White was going to kill her. Penny had a green headscarf covering her ears. She was breathing strangely. It feels thin. Not just the air, the... the matter. She reached out and touched the inside of the rumbling steam craft as they rolled down the Washington streets. Every atom feels slightly further apart. And your sun, your light... it, it hurts my eyes. She squinted out of the window slats and watched the humans lining the paths on their way to the parade, where replacement President Sean Riley and Senator Henry McPherson awaited the announcement of the final count. If something does happen, said Truth, holding herself rigid, you're just my assistant, got it? Yes. Penny nodded, but not without an incriminating pause. Are you going to be able to hold it together? Because, frankly, it's incredibly dangerous just having you here. I wanted to support Harry and help with what might happen in any way I can. Low profile. Truth commanded, punctuating this with her index and little fingers, pointing at both of them. Or this whole unaffiliated free agent story goes up in smoke. The tension was murderous. Harry wondered about opening the doors of the steam craft, shedding the armor, and simply walking out into the throng with Penny in tow, to pretend they were normal human beings and blend in with the crowd, to drop this crazy and lethal notion. Instead, her mind went to the problems her Elaine companion was facing and leapt immediately to a solution for at least one of them. Harry reached down to the storage locker beneath their feet and delicately pulled on the handle. It snapped off and came away on the finger of her gauntlet. Damn. Uh, Truth? Could you open that? Her sister reached across, huffing, and pulled on the second handle, managing to jerk the locker open. Inside were a selection of tools and spare parts. Thank you. See the blasting goggles? Penny nodded, reaching in and bringing them up to her eyes. She smiled and pulled the band down over her head, now looking out through the amber lenses. Ah, that's so much better. Harry glowed, and now even more of her wanted to hang back. To not attempt this insanity, to simply leave the politicians and criminals doing what they did, let her have her precious new life instead. When we go back to autumn, if I'm alive and breathing, I'm gonna be hungry. She half joked to Penny. So, you're going to need to feed me a banquet of those little sculpted cake thingies. Mm Mm-hmm. Penny nodded, evading Harry's eye. What? Is it just nerves? Hmm. Yes. Did... Did things go okay with Calendula last night? Fine. 
Fine. Harry looked at her beloved friend and felt her brow furrowing. She was closing up, atrophying, and that was bad. It also didn't only feel like fear. What was this? Is Cal okay with you and I still working together? She asked, not wanting to know the answer. Hmm. Let's just focus on what you have to do. Penny muttered, turning away further. She's right. Truth added. I have to look at this like the breakdown of an engine. Harry thought, if people and their emotions had always foxed her, why not start looking at them like machinery? Well, mainly because all the parts involved were alien and strange to her. Or were they now? She knew Penny. She could read her, and well. The woman was withholding information she probably thought would upset Harry. And yes, she was also likely terrified for the life of her friend. But there was such tension over Cal, specifically. Hmm. Well, if you need to talk. Harry said softly, her voice trembling. And get anything said. I'm here. Penny was definitely crying now. Harry reached out, and then pulled her gauntlet back. Penny would break like a dry reed if she held her too hard. So her other hand fell back to her lap, and they both sat beside one another, feeling terrible. Truth watched this and worried. Someone is climbing this stage, Tesla called from the front seat as the crowd all started pushing forward urgently. Those on the left were carrying the blue flags of Grant and Riley's Republican nomination. Those on the right, the red of McPherson's new populist Democratic Party. There was stirring tension in the ranks as a man with white mutton chops dressed like a mortician approached the podium and stood with the two nominees on either side. The moment hung in the air, and everybody held their breath. For a delirious second, Harry realized the voice amplifier he was about to speak into that would send his announcement echoing out over the crowd had been designed by none other than herself. The people's vote, the mortician announced, goes to Senator McPherson. And Washington erupted, roaring, pushing and shoving as the police force at the front beat back the Republican supporters. Shit! Truth cried. Oh shit! It was over. The Grant administration was undone and everything their parents had worked for was being handed across to this man, whom their mother had once asked to take the role of vice president, but who had roundly rejected the proposition as pointless. At the periphery, over by the tall postal building, there was a flash of movement. McPherson approached the podium as the armor of Mr. White caught Harry's eyes. He was moving at speed, unnoticed by the crowd, making for a set of steps which culminated in a railing some 20 feet above the stage. Harry slammed the hatch release as Truth jumped in fright. The daylight flooded in as citizens standing near Steelborn reeled backwards and the police looked their way. No time to think, only time to move. Harry barreled forth and landed on the street, her new mechanical paws bracing at the impact. The crowd parted like the Red Sea as she charged forward. 
They were screaming and falling over each other. One of her eyes was up towards the steps as White continued to race to the top. The other was on the area in front of her as she forced aside those who closed in, desperate to prevent them from being trampled. President-elect McPherson was flinching and being hauled backwards, his eyeline now on White, a very clear recognition in his expression. Harry thought back to the story Annie had told her about how Vice President Rutherford B. Hayes had died at a public address like this, targeted by the Manticore. That event in Ohio had begun a chain reaction which led to this precise moment. And when Harau fought that same Manticore along with its rider, she had been doing so in sacrifice of her life for her companions. So Harry must be brave like her. She pounded her last legs and launched up towards the stage as White leapt downwards towards McPherson, flinging out a fistful of daggers which whirled through the air and bounced off Harry's intercepting chestplate with a clatter. Behind White, shots rang out from Silent Company and the necks and heads of the police force surrounding them erupted in arcing crimson shapes as sniper fire rained down. Bullets impacted upon the stone spring plating on Harry's legs and arm units. But she was still shielding McPherson, and as White landed, a foot extended aimed directly at the crystal in her chest. Harry punched viciously, catching his weight and flinging him out behind the stage and into the grassy mall. She turned, bullets hammering into her back, and roared at the bodyguards of both candidates. Get them into the steam craft! Her shadow cast over the men in black before her, and her head turned to the mall as some of the police made towards the building Stone Company were holed up in, and others attempted to get around the stage. In the distance, White was picking himself up. She met his eyes, which bored into her utter fury behind that mask. She would not be afraid of him now. To her left, Steelborn had approached the stage, and Tesla was urging the bodyguards to push their charges in to escape to safety. Harry watched them dive inside, assisted by Truth and Penny, and the moment the hatch was shut, she turned. White drew his katana and darted forwards. Harry roared and dove towards him, her powerful frame thundering over the pathway to intercept. As they met, she swiped the blade savagely and attempted to yank it off him. But White was faster than Gani or Yagyu had ever been. He ducked and wove around her, pounding fists, slashing at her knee joints. This was the opening strike she had anticipated, and the moment she felt the impact, she barged sideways and slammed her elbow into his chest, sending him tumbling backwards. He flipped and recovered, but his leg was dragging. He had been injured there. Harry stormed in, attempting to grab an ankle as White flung blades towards her helmet. They spanged off her collar plate and brow, but one lodged violently in the left side of her visor. Taking immediate advantage of this blind spot, White dove to her left and scaled her body. A sudden horrific pain in her stomach. The blade of his katana had found a purchase in the side of her breastplate, and he had shoved the whole thing through. It had bitten into her flesh, and she could feel a trickle of blood soaking her shirt. No, no panicking. panicking. Use this. The katana had not been withdrawn yet, and she might not be mortally wounded. Throwing herself into a roll, she felt his gloved hands yank free of the hilt. Now she had his sword, but if he tried to tear it back out of her, that really might be the end of everything. He absolutely must not lay hands on it. 
Keep the blade inside, keep him away, but finish him quickly. She rolled and evaded again, but lost her bearings. The pain washed over her in a choking wave. Where was he? She felt a weight slam against her shoulders, and the knife blade near her left eye suddenly threw itself sideways as her entire helmet was dragged from her head. No. If the headband was damaged, she would be immobile, and he would kill her in a heartbeat. Flinging her arm up, she activated her shield and plunged every scrap of her will into it, sending the monster atop her spiraling down the pathway. Behind White, as he picked himself up and tossed aside her helmet, several of the police had broken past the stage. They regarded the pale, plated revenant with recognition, fear, and hatred. As soon as there were enough officers amassed to overcome this fear, they would swarm the mythological nemesis before them. But also Harry in her dark, dark armor. She breathed the fresh air, gasping as the light assaulted her. White froze on the spot, staring at the young woman as she hauled herself upright, slammed her fist into her open palm, then planted her feet forcing herself back into an intercepting stance. Ignore the pain. Ignore the pain. To flee from the cops, he would have to run past her. She would grab him then. Instead, he bolted to the left towards the Lincoln Memorial. Taking a deep breath, Harry bounded forth in pursuit. Oh, no, you don't. That armor's mine. She bellowed. And you are not getting away this time. Her newest creation carried her fast. Blood was now soaking her jeans. She didn't care. She closed the gap between them. He was definitely limping now. She had him. A shattering punch from her collided with his back, sending White tumbling. Harry sprang in and grabbed his shoulder, keeping his hand clear of her left side, where the hilt of his katana still protruded. White struggled, pulled free and scrambled away, desperate now, fear in his eyes. She devoured the feeling. Now it was his turn to live with nightmares. She caught him again, her gauntlet closing over his mask from behind. She could kill him. The thought reared up in her mind like a cobra, and she realized with a cold, creeping venom that this was all she had been wanting. Punish this man. Take him out of the world, permanently. The police were far behind them now, distracted, brawling with the rioting crowd that had broken through the stage. Harry knew now she could not rely upon them for justice. The whole world was a mockery of what she had believed. She began to squeeze. And White broke free one last time, but the mask was caught in the mechanism of her gauntlet. And as he wrenched away, it remained in Harry's hands. White rolled and came up, turning to gaze into her eyes. The fear now mixed with unfathomable sorrow. Harry could only hear her own breath now. Her face was horribly mutilated, repaired on the left-hand side, scarred and worn. But the features, the mouth, and especially the eyes, she recognized. And in that moment, she knew she always had. It was a fear she kept so far down that it could not be confronted or her mind would snap in two. Daddy? The word leapt out of her, 
high and plaintive, questioning, confused, frightened, as though she were six years old again. Thomas Arlington turned about and ran away from her, disappearing back into the underworld. Harry dropped the mask and sank to her knees, now finally allowing herself to feel the pain. In fact, she could feel nothing else. Listening to episode 19 of Stone Spring Maidens, Election Day. Written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Truth Arlington and Penthesily Renwick, performed by Theo Lee. Mortician, performed by Greg Downing. Narration, Nikola Tesla and Mr. White, performed by Alex Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Run, composed and performed by Ross Bugden. Off-Road Warriors, specially composed and performed for New Century by Gil Haim Steinberg. Many soundscapes, including Interrogation and Submerged by Tabletop Audio. Stone Spring Maidens is available in a gorgeous paperback from Amazon.com, along with the previous nine stories from the New Century Multiverse, and the three newest Panthersoul, Nightfall of the Wendigo, and Back in Time plus Space. You should be listening to Through the Wind Door. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Marty Huey, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. If you can't support us on Patreon, but would like to contribute to this show, then a review on iTunes, or of one of the books on Amazon, would absolutely help us move forward. It takes five minutes, and it means the world. <laughs>